Hello and welcome to the Eating Disorder Therapist Podcast. This is a podcast to help you find peace with food and overcome disordered eating. And I'm Harriet Brew, aka the Eating Disorder Therapist. And I'm so excited to share with you all kinds of stories, tips, information and guest interviews to help you on your journey in finding peace with food. So thank you so much for listening today. Now today this is a bonus episode and it's just going to be a little bite-sized one talking all about when you are sick in eating disorder recovery and this is in response to a flurry of requests that I have had this week from people who are struggling with illness, with flu, with colds, with coughs, with COVID and they're going through eating disorder recovery and it's bringing up lots of challenges for them. So it is that time of year isn't it, particularly if you're in the northern hemisphere So many of us have had coughs, colds, COVID, bugs, all manner of things. The days are short, it's cold, it's dark. And if you haven't been ill yourself yet, hopefully, you probably are surrounded by others who are unwell and you may well be at risk of getting unwell at some point over the winter. So if you're in recovery and then you get sick, you might have lost your sense of taste and smell. You might have lost your appetite or feel that you should have lost your appetite. So dealing with symptoms of cold and flu might make sticking to your meal plan even harder. And your eating disorder might want to sort of really make the most of this opportunity of not eating. And it can conjure up lots of eating disorder thoughts and heaps of guilt and shame. And you may have used past illnesses or sick periods as a kind of valid, in inverted commas, excuse not to eat and to focus on weight loss. Okay, so I'm going to talk about a couple of ways to try and deal with this because I think if you are struggling, you are really not alone. Being unwell is tricky enough as it is, let alone if you are in eating disorder recovery. So number one, what I would say to you is try to separate the ED voice from the healthy, wise voice inside you. Now, You might say, well, that's all very well, Harriet, (laughs) but I find it very, very challenging to connect with my healthy, wise voice. But I promise you, it is somewhere inside of you. So the ED voice or the critical voice or the unhealthy voice, whatever you want to call it, is probably booming loudly from within and deafening any glimmer of self-compassion or inner kindness that we may be trying to filter through. But what I want you to do is really think about, okay, if you are caring for your pet or a dear friend or your child or a dearest loved one who was unwell, you would treat them with kindness, respect and optimal care. You would attend to them. You would offer them gentle nourishment and hydration. You'd make sure they're wrapped up in a nice snuggly blanket with hot drinks and soft cushions. You would allow them to rest. You would regularly tune in with them. You know, you'd be saying to them, how are you doing? You know, what do you need? What can I get you? So what we need to be doing is treating ourselves with this kindness that we would offer to others. Now, I know for many of you, this might feel wrong. It might feel selfish, okay? But I'm giving you permission here to realize that this is the best, kindest thing you can do for yourself. You deserve self-kindness. You deserve self-compassion and you are worthy of being treated well. And you're probably so good at looking after other people if they're unwell, so you need to apply that to yourself, okay? And you're not gonna do anyone any favors by not looking after yourself, okay? If you really take care of yourself, you're gonna be able to show up for the people in your life in a so much better way. 
then if you punish yourself or neglect yourself when you're ill, it's probably going to mean that you're unwell for a much longer period. You're not gonna be able to function, you're gonna have no energy, and you're probably gonna be quite miserable. So being self-caring, looking after yourself is the best thing you can do, not only for yourself, but for other people around you. Now the second thing to do is really try and untangle and name those pesky eating disorder thoughts that are coming up for you. So these are some of the examples that people have shared to me um, when they are ill. Now some of these might be a bit triggering, but I want to kind of say them anyway because I think we all probably had these thoughts and it's better to just get them out in the open and then we can actually deal with them and think about them in a more constructive way. So some examples, it's wasted calories if I eat because you can't taste the food. This is the perfect opportunity not to eat and to lose weight that I've recently gained. Who eats when they're sick? No one, so why should you? I feel as though I shouldn't be hungry because I'm sick. You know how everyone talks about not having an appetite when they're sick. When I do have an appetite, I feel guilty, like I shouldn't. And then I eat because obviously I should eat, but then I can't exercise to balance it out so the guilt goes up and it all snowballs. I'm greedy for continuing to eat. People will understand if I don't follow my meal plan now because they'll think I'm weird for eating if I don't. It's nearly Christmas, so it's perfect timing to lose weight too. Okay, so all of those are ED thoughts, okay? So remember that our thoughts, our feelings, our behavior and our physical body are all connected. Okay, so this is from Cognitive Behavior Therapy. We have 60,000 plus thoughts per day and many of these thoughts are repetitive. Now thoughts are not facts, even though your thoughts will feel like facts and they might feel very true. And this is because our thoughts are often rooted in earlier experiences, you know, things that have happened to us. And our early experiences often have a lot of emotion attached to the thought as well. And then what we tend to do is we'll replay that story again and again and again in our mind so it becomes fact. So an example here might be, say if someone at school called you a horrible name, maybe they commented on something about your appearance, Okay, now, even though rationally you might look back to that event and realize, actually that person didn't know what they were talking about, they were just an unkind person spouting any rubbish in the moment, you probably still can really remember the comment, you can probably remember how you felt at the time, and maybe there's something about that thought that felt very true, and almost you haven't let that go, you know, you've held on to that thought, you've replayed it again and again, and it's become like a very sort of sensitive kind of thought for you, a sensitive thought pattern. You know, it triggers a lot of vulnerability, it triggers a lot of negative emotion, and you tend to believe that it's true, okay? And you've probably been replaying that thought again and again. Another example might be, if you believe that no one eats when they're sick, you'll probably then be like noticing examples of people around you who have lost their appetite when they're unwell, okay? And you'll probably be ignoring the examples of other people who are carrying on eating regardless. You'll be zooming in unconsciously on the people that aren't eating 
it will be collecting even more evidence in your mind and you will be kind of confirming to yourself, you see, this is true, this is true. And we all do this. It's kind of called like our sort of confirmation bias with our thinking, okay? We often do it unconsciously. And it's because as human beings, you know, we all have a slightly distorted sense of reality. You know, we all filter reality through our slightly distorted lens. And in most cases, hopefully our level of distortion isn't too bad. You know, it actually enables us to function fairly well. And if you're someone who has a perhaps a little more leaning towards a kind of more positive spin on life, actually that's probably doing you a lot of favors. But um, that's not true for all of us. So it's worth just remembering sometimes, you know, just your thoughts are not facts. They will feel really true, but even just being more curious and in questioning of them is going to help. So what we want to be doing is capturing these pesky ED thoughts that are coming up. So say if you're having something, a thought like, it's wasted calories because you can't taste it. So even just kind of writing that down or saying it out loud, you can notice then how's it impacting your feelings, your behavior and your physical body. So say for example, if you're having the thought it's wasted calories because you can't taste it, probably means then you're feeling guilty or anxious when you're eating. You're probably then body checking, carrying out the behavior of body checking more in response to those thoughts and feelings. And you're probably feeling in your body, feeling maybe disgusting, bigger, maybe having butterflies in your stomach, your skin crawling, having lots of further thoughts about your body and it's in a horrible negative cycle. Okay, so let's do some questioning, Socratic questioning around the thought to help challenge it. Okay, so in cognitive behavior therapy, you use kind of Socratic questioning, which is not just putting a positive spin on thoughts. It's about looking at the thought objectively, rationally, and just really exploring it with curiosity. So if you have the thought, it's wasted calories because you can't taste it, ask yourself, is this really true? Okay, so when we really think about it, you might think, well, actually, it's disappointing or unsatisfying to eat when my sense of taste has gone. However, I do need to look after my body and fuel myself. Okay, so we're kind of challenging it there. Another good question to ask is, what would I say to a friend in this situation? So you probably say to a friend, of course you deserve to eat. You need to gently nourish yourself your body needs fuel to fight the illness. It's a caring and necessary part of healing. Another good question is, how would you like to think about the situation? So you might think, well, I would like to feel that I'm deserving and worthy of food even when I'm unwell. Okay, so notice, how are you feeling now having challenged some of these thoughts? Okay, now of course, sadly, this isn't often an instant quick fix because you've been thinking your old thoughts for years probably. So a one-off challenge is not gonna suddenly kind of turn the tide in one go. It needs quite a lot of repetition. But every time you challenge your thoughts, you are sort of dropping another kind of powerful ripple into the ocean, which is going to start to shift how you think about things, okay? And if you find challenging really hard, even just be curious and compassionate and think, oh, that's interesting. There goes that thought again. Is it really true? That's interesting that I'm thinking this way. Could there be another way of thinking about this? So you're just trying to, trying to sort of gently um, have awareness and gently even begin to consider that there may be another 
a way of thinking about this. It doesn't necessarily mean that it's true. So imagine as well the impact of thinking more rationally and constructively and moving into a more self-caring space. So if you're thinking about, if you're having 60,000 thoughts a day, even if you start to have an extra like 100 thoughts a day that are more constructive and rational, that is going to be helpful to you. And also, if you have the thought that's more around something like, I deserve to take care of myself, you'll likely feel a bit more peaceful and considerate towards yourself. You may make yourself something nutritious, even if this feels unusual to you. You'll likely feel better in your body. If you're having, if you're having something warm and nourishing, you know, you'll hopefully feel less ill. And that might make you feel a bit better. So let's challenge another thought. So people will understand if you don't meet your meal plan now and will think you're weird for eating if you don't. Okay, so this is when we're kind of almost assuming in a way that people are going to think, well, because you're ill, you won't be following your meal plan. And if you do, you must be really strange. Um, Okay, so ask yourself, is this really true? So when we think about it, you know, other people, they're probably not that interested in my eating anyway. And even if someone did think I was weird, that would be quite a strange reaction. (laughs) And it might say something more about their relationship with food and what's going on for them. What would I say to a friend in this situation? So I'm sure you say to a friend, you know, do what is right for you. Listen to your body. No one else knows what's best for you. You have permission to eat. And how would you like to think about this situation? So you might like to think, well, I want to listen to my body. I want to honor my own needs. I want to feel worthy of food. And what other people think is really irrelevant. Okay, so some ideas there on how to navigate through illness when you're in eating disorder recovery. Number one, really go for the whole self-compassion, self-care, tuning into that wise and healthy voice. Think about how you would treat a friend know that you are deserving. And number two, think about using some cognitive behavior therapy, Socratic questioning to challenge your thoughts. So write the thought down, bring it into awareness, draw it out, notice, okay, so when I have this thought, how does it make me feel? What behaviors does it lead to? How do I feel in my body? What other thoughts come up? So you start to realize the kind of loops that you're caught in. And then use Socratic questioning. So think with the thought, is this really true? You know, what's the evidence for this thought? What would I say to a friend in this situation? How would I like to think about this, okay? And then we need to repeat this again and again and again, okay? It's almost like building your emotional muscles. It needs a lot of repetition. And just because it doesn't work first time, don't give up. You know, you think about 60,000 thoughts a day and when you've been thinking in certain ways for a very long time, it's going to take time and practice to start to reverse this, okay? But it is doable. When I think about how I used to think about things in the past and how I think about things now, there is such a difference between the two, okay? And it's taken a lot of time and practice and repetition, but it's absolutely possible, okay? So I hope this gives you some ideas. If you're not following me already on Instagram, do seek me out at the eating disorder therapist underscore. And for further support with your relationship with food, do go to the eatingdisordertherapist.co.uk. And if you enjoyed this podcast, I'll be so grateful if you'd follow, rate and review as it helps it reach so many more listeners. Thank you so much for listening today. And I look forward to sharing another podcast episode with you very soon.